Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you today from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment. Maybe we should just shorten that and call the podcast NHTE. Joining me here in the studio today, my guest is a singer-songwriter who plays guitar and piano and is currently finishing up her second album. At the age of just 21 years old, she had played on the Las Vegas Strip and has also performed numerous times in Nashville, despite not being a country artist. Plus, she has done shows in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Oklahoma. (sighs) Forget it. The list keeps growing. (laughs) You're hearing one of her songs right now called Win the Fight. Her music is available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify, just to name a few. Before this intro goes too long, let me just welcome Melissa Bretthauer. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is awesome. Um, This is definitely a treat. Let's start right out of the gate with your big news, uh, which just got published on your website. After a couple years in Atlanta, you are moving again. Yes, I am actually really thrilled for the chance to move to Los Angeles area. Um, it's going to be, I think, opening a lot of doors of opportunity for for music, but I'm most excited to get back to a coastal state. Um, being from Florida, it's so, it's really, it was hard for me in Atlanta to be away from the beach, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, So you'll be playing on the West Coast soon, but I want to get back to the list of locales that I read off in the intro because there are actually a couple exotic locations that deserve to get added to that list. Yeah, so uh, I've had a chance to play in Hawaii. I've had a chance to play in Thailand um, when I was there in October. I was just going to say, yes, you have to explain. You can't just say cool places like Hawaii and Thailand and not tell the listeners. How How do you get a chance to play in Hawaii, and how do you get a chance to play in Thailand? So in Hawaii, um, I met someone at a at the Frank Brown um, Songwriters Festival. His name's Kamuela, and I have family in Hawaii. So the cool part was when I was visiting, I got to go out and see Kamuela play, and then he invited me to play alongside him a couple of different uh, gigs of his. So that was how that came about. And then in Thailand... Uh, I was just on vacation to, again, visit family, and we were sitting at a bar one night, and there was a band playing, and at the very end of the night, they had kind of turned it into like a, well, I won't say they turned it into an open mic. One person got up there and started singing, and then my brothers dragged me by my feet while I was screaming and kicking. (laughs) And they're like, she plays, she plays, get her to play. All the while you're saying, can I ever just be on vacation? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm really glad that I did at at the end of it. um, It was a really cool experience. So, And now I can say, I got to play in Thailand, even if it was only for 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it was. Um, Now I'm jumping back and forth here, but heading to the West Coast, you've got to be losing track of how many addresses you've had in your young life because you're only 24 years old and now you're moving to LA and that follows a long list of of go ahead and, and recite the list. You've lived all over the place. Oh gosh. Um, started out in the Panhandle of Florida, moved to Okinawa, Japan for a few years and spent some of my childhood there. Moved back to the Panhandle, moved to 
to the Tampa area, went to school in Orlando, moved to the Daytona area. So all of that, you know, being in Florida, then Atlanta, and then now it's going to be across the country. (laughs) And um, forgive me for being anal. I just have to uh, check things off my list because, again, (laughs) circling back around to the intro, uh, I, I said in passing in there that you're finishing up your second album. Yes, I'm so excited about this because it's way overdue. Um, I just, I've been trying to write more and I've just been playing so much that it's, I haven't really made uh, made it a priority to get back into the studio. And so I've kind of been dragging my feet on it, but I'm really excited that it's that it's gonna that's in the works and hopefully it won't be too long before we can wrap it up and get it released. And a little bit more of a stripped down approach this time. Yes. So my goal, I think my songwriting has has really taken a turn, and I find myself writing about more lighthearted subjects, and I've, I'd like to go for, with this project, my goal is to go for kind of a Jack Johnson type of feel, just really light, light percussion, very acoustic, and, you know, just, just raw and stripped down. Um, you mentioned, uh, with regards to playing in Hawaii, you, meant, you mentioned that you, had, that you met... Kamuela uh, at Frank Brown. I was going to say that um, I know that with all the shows you've done, you just mentioned that you're so busy playing shows that you have to actually carve time out to make an album. Um, a couple of your favorite stops out on the road have been a couple of songwriters festivals that you've actually played at multiple times. Yes, one of them is uh, Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival, and that's always fun because I I get to go. Um, it's pretty much near my hometown um just just up the road so i always appreciate getting to go there and spend time with family and it's on the beach so of course gotta love that because in my free time i'm just at the beach as much as possible but the best part i think is just all the inspiration that comes with those songwriters festivals i mean you're hearing music you're hearing people tell these stories and you're hearing music the whole time and it's just so fun to connect with the other songwriters and to share your music with one another and a great source of inspiration for me and similarly um frank yeah frank brown, brown. Is, uh, in uh-huh. alabama yes same with frank brown i think frank brown is a very different kind of festival i mean they have similarities but they don't feel they feel very different from one another but it's uh at Frank Brown you you hear a lot of um the neat thing is you can just be sitting there and hear somebody playing and singing an, an original song of theirs and not realize that they're the ones who wrote that you know and it was a big hit that you grew up hearing on the radio or something so that's pretty cool um and for an opportunity uh you know to to not only sit and hear those songs but for someone like you you know, now you're on. The, it's a level playing field, and you can walk up to any of those people and say, "Hi, I'm Melissa Brettauer. I'm another writer here at the festival. I just listened to your music, and lo and behold, you're knee deep in a conversation with someone that you know maybe has had several cuts, and all of a sudden, you know, they kind of embrace you into the fraternity or sorority or whatever the case might be. Yes, and with that could possibly come an opportunity to co-write with them. So I've had a chance to do that a little bit, and. It's it's really fun to get you know other people's ideas and to get this kind of I don't know I, I guess criticism or constructive criticism but to work collectively it's a, it's it's a totally different experience and I think the listeners should know these are you know these these are prestigious events in that you can't just show up at a songwriters festival you know you don't just fill out an application and say there I'm going you don't make up your mind they make up their mind who are we going to invite to the festival so for you uh the first time you went there uh, i'm trying to think would have been maybe age 21 i, I want to say or 20 yeah um so. you know so to get that sort of um acceptance that sort of uh affirmation um you know a, a belief in your songwriting that they wanted to have you there amidst all of those you know quote unquote bigger names songwriting wise uh, that's a real boost it's definitely really encouraging because at these festivals, what I have found generally is that it, that it tends to be um, the older generation that, um, I mean, when I say older, I just mean, you know, like they could be my parents, they're, they're old enough, they're like my parents' age. I don't mean like old. <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone. But I just mean it's, it's uh, more uncommon to find the younger songwriters like myself. And so to get that kind of validation is just 
it's pretty cool. I mean, you, you I don't know. At the same time, though, I think um, that it's important that you pass along to any listeners who are like yourself, who are young songwriters, or younger than you. I mean, gee, you're all of 24 now, so there's probably people listening to this who are songwriters that might be in their teens or late teens. And to know, though, that if you do go to one of those festivals, you know, there's a certain kind of decorum, you know, that you, you don't just go in there, you know, with, with both barrels, you know, and show up and, and announce your presence. It's kind of, you know, ease yourself in and you do have to have some respect and 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 know your place on the totem pole. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely something that you earn, I think, along the way. And um, it's all it is all about respect. But at the same time, um, I just think it's I think we need more upcoming songwriters to take take part in festivals like that because we're the future generation of of music and um it's just the way that the festivals have been going lately it doesn't seem like they're bringing like they're bringing in enough younger songwriters and so that's something that i hope to see at those particular festivals i know there are other festivals that embrace um you know a wider variety of genres and age groups and things uh, so speaking of songwriting, let's get back to the song that was playing when this episode of Now Hear This Entertainment started. Tell the listeners about that song, Win the Fight. Win the Fight was inspired by, I would say, just a chance uh, to make the right decision, even though the decision is a really difficult one to make. And it's not always easy, but we have to do what's best for ourselves in a lot in most situations. And sometimes we kind of talk ourselves, we try to talk ourselves out of, you know, out of it and try to take the easy way out. And when the fight is about overcoming that and standing firm in the decision that you've made in your life and not allowing yourself to feel guilty about it. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me here in the studio today is singer-songwriter Melissa Bretthauer. Check her out at www.melissabrett.com. That's B-R-E-T, just one T. Be sure to purchase her music, too. Uh, she's got some cool merchandise for sale on her website also. And find her on Facebook, YouTube, Reverb Nation, Twitter. She's everywhere. Uh, make sure you are also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to use the social media buttons there as well to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. Melissa, uh, mentioning there all of your social media, um, check this out, listeners, between Facebook and Reverb Nation alone, Melissa has followers from all five regions, Africa, the Americas, Asia, Europe, and Oceania. That's nuts. It is really crazy. I guess, for me, I don't even realize these things until I hear something like that come from you. I mean, it's definitely humbling, and it's really cool that people are able to connect with my music, no matter what part of the world they're in. That's the beauty of technology today, and... I guess not a lot of people can say that, right? That they have people from all five regions. Yeah, and and you know, just getting back to your your description there of when the fight, you know, I would I would guess that when you're writing a song, you're just kind of in the moment. You're just kind of writing what you feel. You're not thinking about, hey, maybe this will touch someone in Australia, or hey, maybe someone will like this song in Germany. Oh right, yeah, that that's definitely not in my thought in my thought process. You know, at the time that I'm writing, I'm. I'm just focused on the story that I'm trying to tell. But it's, needless to say, it's an absolute bonus when you go, wow, that song ended up resonating with someone in Zimbabwe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) It must also be a a surreal experience for you, um, say, the times that you have talked to school kids about your career and about songwriting, not to mention seeing them line up for your autograph, plus... uh, I know you've been seeing fans following you, uh, you know, like a comment I saw on YouTube where someone was mentioning a song of yours and looking forward to come and see you play in his city. Uh, another guy who just a week or so ago told you that he'd come from, what, like 45 minutes or an hour away to see you and was planning to come to another upcoming show. This is all still kind of like you just said, like it's all still kind of like, really? Me? To you, isn't it? I mean, you've always stayed so humble despite the momentum that you've built in your young career. 
Yeah, definitely is. I'm still in that. What they they're coming all the way here to see me, you know? And it's really it's such a cool experience because that just means that they. It's cool to see the support and how much they really believe in your music, and obviously, for them to have to feel like they can connect with my music that much that they're wanting to see me again and again. That's just. I mean, I'm just blown out of the water because there's so many good musicians out there, and and. Uh, I'm just lucky to have people support. Well, and, um, you know, when you mentioned uh, a little earlier about you've been busy playing so many shows, after a while, you know, I mean, we can be honest, after a while it gets a little like, okay, I got to I gotta motivate myself, you know, to, to not feel like I'm just going through the motions tonight. And you get up and you start playing, and all of a sudden you look out and you see somebody who you can tell, like, they came to listen to you. They didn't come just to get out of the house. They didn't come to get a steak and some fries. And, oh, by the way, there's someone there. They came to see you. And, you know, there's even a chance you'd look out and you're doing one of your original songs and they're singing along with you. I mean, that has to be just like, wow, this this really makes it all worthwhile. It's people like that who kind of keep me going, keep me from getting burnt out in the music scene. Because especially there's a difference between playing gigs and playing shows and and playing shows people are there to listen and to give their undivided attention playing gigs you know people you're at a restaurant you're playing and people choose to listen and other people choose to just carry about their conversation and it's just a totally different setting and um so i don't always expect to get the attention of those at different restaurants when i'm gigging um but it is really it makes it a more enjoyable experience for me whenever I do see that that there's there's someone over here or someone over there that's that's really giving me their undivided attention and and um, having nice things to say. Yeah, and and uh, talking about doing an actual show, um, you know, you've always been so so talented and so marketable in that you have a great voice, you play guitar, you play piano. You write your own songs, and oh, by the way, you know there's this whole kind of Christian genre that you flirted with from time to time. And and where I'm going with this is, you did a whole, gosh, it was probably a good 90 minute show uh, here in the Tampa area last August, which was exactly that. It was praise and worship. It was Melissa Brett Howard, the headliner, people coming to see you, and that was a true night of of connecting with the audience. Definitely um, one of the most unique experiences that I've had in in my whole time of playing out and playing shows, and it was it was really cool because you get to connect with people on a different on a deeper level in that situation, and you know I I I feel like for me in that particular that particular show it was less of a performance and more of a kind of group participation. And so that was that was really neat. That doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, even though, uh, and for the listeners, um, you know, Melissa does write some Christian music, even though it's <laughs> it's primarily a, a, a genre. <laughs> I still don't know that has been defined uh, where you like to consider yourself in terms of what category you place your music into. But um, there is some some Christian that comes out. Now and then, and uh, and that night, you know, you got to showcase some of those uh, original Christian songs, as well as um, you know, doing some of what's on uh, contemporary Christian radio. One thing that one thing that I wanted to talk about um, is, you know, you said the the audiences keep you from getting burnt out, and uh, just listening to to everything that's going into all this. I think a lot of the listeners, particularly those that are performers, songwriters, entertainers, musicians, whatever, they need to realize that this is a business. You know, people think music sounds fun, and oh my gosh, listen to Melissa, she's working on her second album, she's moving to LA, she's played in all these different cities, that was cool about Hawaii and Thailand and stuff, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're doing all this, it's a business. At the end of the day, it is a business, you're right, Um, and you have to make sacrifices just like with any other business and with any other job, you know, this is my job and it's hard for me to take time off because I work 
on the weekends. You know, I'm, I'm gigging and playing shows on weekends. And, you know, I've had to pass up a lot of opportunities to hang out with friends and, and you know, take trips with families because I'm working. And sometimes sometimes I, I really just try to shift my focus on and, and try to see it as and so I'm still doing what I love and making music and it's I'm really blessed to be able to call that my job and but you know then there's other parts of, of the business the traveling and you know the just everything that comes with it making an album that's that's a pr- long process and most people don't understand the depth of what it takes to go into the studio and, and record an album it's something that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and there's so many other factors underlying you know the the whole process well not to mention the convergence you know of the business with the personal life i mean being on the road when you're a college student and you know being in nashville where there's so much around you so many opportunities so many people to meet and saying I got to get to this writer's night, but then I got to get right back because I have to finish my paper that's due online at midnight for, you know, for my, I'm still working towards my degree. And and so those were early lessons, uh, you know, that to an extent, like you described, you're, you're still encountering now. Yeah. You know, right now I am uh, working a day job and I guess for me, the whole intention of working a day job was to be able to further grow my music business and and I have been able to do that um and with this day job fortunately it's been flexible enough for me to be able to juggle my schedule between music and and doing work so it's that's been really great I don't know how much longer that I'll I'll be able to do that I'm I've been playing around with the idea of of doing music full time uh you have always been a, uh, a supporter of the arts. I remember earlier in your career, you were playing at a festival of the arts and we're getting ready to close, but took a minute to tell people to support the arts. And uh, you even have some design skills of your own. You, you designed the image that's on the Melissa Brethauer canvas tote bags that are sold on your website and at your live shows. You're, you're just, you're all about the arts. I love art. I think I just have always grown up really enjoying art. I'm, I'm a painter I do a little bit of drawing. I'm, you know, music is a is also an art form. So when songwriting and and I mean the way I look at art is it's all it's all the same. You just use different mediums to paint the picture on the canvas. You know, with music, I'm painting the picture with the guitar. I'm painting the picture with the piano. You know, when I'm actually painting, you know, it's so it's. It's all, I think, connected, and I think that there's so many benefits of of art, and just it just needs more support because, sadly, nowadays it's kind of getting dusted under the rug in the public school system. People are saying, take it, take away the music programs, take away the art programs. We don't need it. We don't need it. You know, they're they're underfunded, and uh, I just think that it's just unfortunate. So more people, that's why I always try to throw that out there. Please support the arts. You know, when I say arts, it means live music. That means, you know, uh, people who are handcrafting things, people who are painting things, people who are interpreting things, dancing. I mean, it's it, it's such a wide variety. Yeah, there was uh, an event that you played at up in Atlanta um, not too far back, which was a, a gallery opening. So there's another example there, you know, a different type of art that... <laughs> That you supported with your art, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and so with the with the painting analogy of of you know using your guitar or your piano, I, I, I guess you could add in there your songwriting. Um, you recently kind of set up a challenge for yourself in an effort to do a lot more songwriting. Tell the listeners a, about what that is. The biggest thing with songwriting that I've taken away from the festivals that I've attended that we talked about earlier is that songwriting doesn't always just have to come from a strictly emotional place. It doesn't have to be random timing. Oh, when you're feeling just really, you know, in that moment, you have to get the song out. Sometimes it's like that and that's okay. But just like any other type of writing, or pretty much anything else in general, you have to make time for it and you have to challenge yourself to do it, whether or not you're feeling 
you know, all caught up in the moment and emotional. I have to... So for me, I have not been writing as much as I would like to. I'm trying to dedicate more time to writing. And I'd like to come out with, I don't know... I don't even want to give a number because I know there are people out there who are probably listening who write a way, way a lot more than the number that I'm going to, you know, that I'm thinking of. But sometimes for me, I've found that I've ran out of, I've run out of ideas of what to write about. And that's just ridiculous because there are so many things to write about. So for me, the challenge is I am going to try to draw inspiration from the one out of the next two or three movies that I see, one out of the next two or three articles or books or stories that I read or I hear about, and um, also try to write more that is not directly reflected in something personal in my life. I want to try to come up with scenarios outside of my own life. And um, I just think that's it's a way to kind of kick me in the butt to get me to write more and it's a way for me to ha- also get more results and to challenge myself to think outside of the box yeah and i would almost submit that perhaps um <laughs> you know to use a, a seinfeld analogy you know the episode what'd you do today nothing that's a, that's a show you know it's kind of like well if everything that you've written about so far has been personal experiences or experiences of people around you and you kind of have run out of gas on that, and then you start doing these other things where you get inspired by a movie or you read an article and you write a song, and maybe it'll come full circle and you'll go back to a day when you're not reading an article, you're not watching a movie, nothing's really going on, but your creative juices have just gotten built up so much from all the inspiration you drew from those other things that all of a sudden you're writing something about nothing. It's not even something that happened to you that day. It's just all of a sudden I'm able to just crank something out from a blank slate. I've been trying to uh, look at songwriting as more of an assignment because <laughs> I know I know that even on the days like you just said that where I'm, I'm just going to crank something out, there are times where I'll get halfway into a song and then just decide that it's just not just not going where I want it to go, and I've kind of come at this this uh, pause, crossroads. yeah, crossroads. Yeah. That's what I was trying to think of. Um, and then I put it aside, and then I don't come back to it. Or I might come back to it and then try to tweak it, and then nothing ever becomes to it. And it doesn't ever mature into this fully developed song. And the way the analogy I'm trying to use to get myself to stop doing that is... So, like, in college, when you have a paper, you know you have to turn that paper in the next day to get you know to get a grade for it. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat in front of my computer <laughs> staring at this blank page and just wondering, like, where do I even begin on this? But I know that by tomorrow morning, I am going to have a finished product. Whether it's amazing or not, I'm going to have something to turn in. And so that's how I'm trying to look at songwriting yeah, yeah. is, you know what, I'm... I'm not going to just sit here and just finish something halfway. Even if it's just terrible, I need to just try to do something and finish it. And uh, sometimes I do wish we could always just fast forward to the end result, but (laughs) that didn't work in college, and I'm sure it's not going to work now. So um, I think that's really kind of been helping my my frame of mind. But now when you say... um you start writing a song and you just you're just not feeling it. You just want to put it aside. Are you talking about um, you're writing lyrics, or is it I'm playing some chords uh, and recording it into my iPhone, or what? What's the process there when you, when you, when you're talking about saving something for later? It could be a combination of both. It could be um, a lot of times with my songwriting, it starts with uh, melody and uh, chord progressions, and you know, so I'm able to define define a melody and start humming something, um, start putting in weird lyrics, just whatever at the top of my head. It makes no sense. Then once I have that that melody pretty solid and, I, and, and uh, the chord progression pretty solid, it all just depends on um, the tone. It's like, well, is this, does it sound like a happy melody? Does it, sound, does it sound melancholy? Does it sound like rock star you know so i'm trying to that's that's how it begins and then i shape my lyrics around that if that makes sense yeah and i know also um this is if there's such a thing as as 
something as a precursor to 101. This I don't know if this is even songwriting 101. This is kind of common sense that I had to learn by you slapping my hand, which is that you're you don't you know you can't be listening to music in a in a time when you're about to enter songwriting mode. You know because you're going to be you're going to be influenced by that, right? And I think for for me personally, I I have found that a lot of music is just subconscious and just stuck in my head and I don't even realize it. So I'll sit down at, at times and I'll I'll start playing, come up with something. I'm like, oh, this is really great. You know, I think I'm onto something here and I'll get, get to playing it and I'll get to, I'll start, you know, growing the song and then I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this sounds really familiar. <laughs> what is this? Like, this chord progression. And then I start, like, I do this thing and I'm trying to s- stop because... I know that it's different enough to be where it could be my own, but I do this thing where I'm like, oh, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like Jason Mraz, this song. And I'll start playing the chords and singing that song. I'm like, oh, and it also sounds like this and also sounds like that. But that's just how songwriting is. You know, you can you can literally, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube video, um, it's I think it's called like Four Chords. And uh, and it's oh, these yeah, three guys yeah. who, who seriously play and sing, I don't know, like 400, probably not 400. They sing a crazy amount of songs, like all mashed up because they're all played with the same four chords. And it's just so easy to get into a song and be like, oh, that sounds... That kind of sounds too much like X or Z, you know. Well, and uh, and full disclosure, I, I was preparing for this interview and in, in writing up all my questions, um, I was trying to call to mind uh, a song that you wrote called "Living for Today." And as I started singing it in my head, I realized that I was actually singing a Colby Galloway song. And, uh, you know, I mean, granted, you have openly acknowledged, you know, that she's kind of somebody that you mentioned earlier, that your your upcoming album, you know, you want it to have more of a Jack Johnson feel. And I know you've, you've said publicly before that Colby Calais is, you know, that you kind of feel like you're in her, uh, in her, in her ballpark, you know, so that's not, I don't think that's a bad thing to say, gee, I was trying to think of living for today, and I ended up turns out that I was actually singing a Colby Calais song. It just means that maybe you're maybe you're somewhat influenced by her style. Yeah, I think definitely. Um, for I guess this is a little bit more off topic, but for this my songwriting now, I'm I'm really trying to write more feel good music. And that's why I say I want to go for a Jack Johnson kind of feel or a Colby Calais kind of feel. Because my last album was just really deeply emotional. And that's fine, and that's good, but I'm kind of ready for. I'm ready to turn a new leaf, and I want my. I want someone to be able to put my album in their, you know, in their car, and when they're driving in their car with their windows down, and it's just, it's just happy. It's just content, you know. And so that's that's how I f- I feel that Colby Calais and Jack Johnson, what their music is, because I picture my. I I'm always listen, listening to feel good music like that this is what i call it i don't call it and there's no genre it's just feel good music <laughs> <laughs> well and it's also something that uh you don't listen to and all of a sudden feel like turning off and <laughs> diving on your bed and crying for an hour <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i'm i'm over the man bashing songs too i mean i think i got that all out of my system but there there comes a time in in life where you just realize that some things will just never change and you know it's just time to move on <laughs> i call i call that that phase of my songwriting my taylor swift era there you go there you go <laughs> Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is have more than just a website and make sure they all look top-notch. No spelling mistakes, no broken links, no absence of new information for months at a time. And as obvious as it might sound, have a list on one or more of those sites showing where your upcoming gigs are. If there's nothing, then people will think you're not playing anywhere. I don't have time is no excuse to not list gigs. If that's the case, hire someone like Now Hear This to manage your web presence for you. And that is today's Bruce's bonus. Uh, Melissa, even though you always perform as a solo act, I know that playing, well, and, and singing too, with the praise band at your church in Atlanta has really done a lot for you. Yes, um, playing with a band... First of all, it's so fun because you just get to connect with other musicians on stage and 
it's a whole different experience. And as a musician, um, to to learn and to play with each other on you know in the correct time and and just all the technical things musically, I think has really helped me to grow as a musician. Um, my dad even commented when he was visiting. Um, he saw he saw me playing at church, but then afterwards he was like, "I I can tell that you've gotten better at at guitar, and whether wow. it's just rhythmically and you know it's just." There are so many different things that that go into playing with a band that people don't realize. You have to work together. You have to really listen to each other in order to blend. You know, you have to be respectful when there's a, a lead guitar part. You know that you're not just trying to overpower the lead guitar. You know, so there's there's all these little things, but they've definitely helped me grow as a musician. And I I really look forward to the day that I can have my own band or playing a duo or or something you know because you you feed off each other's energy and, and not uh, to mention that um there was a uh, a hymn that you had started writing gosh years ago and uh like you said stuck it away in your notebook um almost finished but not finished and and with the connections that you made with the praise band uh at the church you played in atlanta you're able to get that finished and uh, there's actually a video by the way listeners on melissa's youtube channel uh, with my shepherd, so um, I, I'm sure you would say that. Yeah, that was another benefit to to meeting those folks and getting the opportunity to play with them. Getting to co-write, and you know, with some people, there's really not that much chemistry, and then other people, you have a lot of chemistry, and that's really important with songwriting. And I have found um, in my good friend Josh, who plays in the band with me, he's actually the the leader. We have co-written. Um, quite a bit, and for me, with with my shepherd, that hymn that I wrote, I had written it on guitar, and I had written it in the key of E, and it just never really went anywhere because it was missing. It was always missing something. And at a songwriter workshop that Josh put on for all of us one night, we were all expressed to share a song or two, you know, something that we've either worked on and hadn't finished or something that we were really proud of it was totally up to us so i dusted that that old page off and played it and he heard something in it that i didn't hear and he's an exceptional piano player and he's he started just composing this whole arrangement and it that was like like the meat and potatoes of the song it was really great and we we changed the key and something that 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 sounds like really minor but it could totally change no pun intended yeah (laughs) could totally change the song um and then we are able to add another verse so it's it's really cool to i don't know to just be able to connect with people and write with i'm always just thrilled to be able yeah, to work yeah, with that's people. fascinating. That's a great story. Um, you also had a really cool opportunity a little ways back to have a big house band on stage playing behind you for a show you did in the Midwest. How cool was that playing at the uh, Rodeo Opry? In, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I sometimes Oklahoma forget. City. That was so neat. I mean, they were they were really great. The house band. Um, they were. I'm telling you, they could just follow. I could have gone off and did my own thing and just totally changed songs like in the middle of a song and they would just be able to follow right along. I mean, they're really skilled musicians and uh, I think my favorite part of that experience was getting to hear some of my own songs with the full band, just to hear the their interpretations and their, you know, just the little steel guitar parts and the the riffs that they added to these songs that I had only heard acoustically and kind of in my own interpretation so it was that was really neat it it was kind of an emotional experience for me to hear those just i felt like they were really they they came to they brought them to life in in a new light for me and for the listeners um <laughs> i hope nobody ever tunes out in the middle of my podcast but uh stick around um at the end of this episode we are going to play a full Song, uh, one of Melissa's originals um, that was recorded live that night at the Rodeo Opry in Oklahoma City. So you'll get to hear exactly what she's talking about in terms of the treatment uh, that that band on, uh, I, I mean, I guess we could say on very little notice, um, was able to 
what kind of treatment they were able to put on it just, you know, under their own direction. I mean, Melissa had no say, so to speak. I mean, they heard the track, you know, of, of your uh, guitar and vocal. And um, I guess it's fair to say, um, put their own interpretation on it from there. Um, so we'll have that song at the end. Um, and then you also sang with the choir when you were in college. And, and most notably for the listeners who are singers and don't realize this, um, talk about the value that you got from singing in that environment. Well, you know, growing up, I've, I've sang in choir since it was first available to me you know, in elementary school because I've just always enjoyed singing. But a lot of people don't realize how beneficial it can be to sing in a choir because in my opinion it's harder to sing with a group than it is as a solo artist because you really have to listen to one another and blend and you learn all these different vocal techniques Um, a lot of them which are similar to if you took formal vocal lessons you are going to learn a lot of the things that you would learn while singing in a choir you learn breathing techniques you learn about how important diction is um, to really to really uh, over-exaggerate your consonants so that people can understand what you're singing. Um, you learn you learn about breath support, you learn about pitch, you know, you, you'll, it de- helps to develop your ear further as a musician. So now, I think because of singing in choir, I have such a, I have a pretty, I have a pretty good ear. So I can hear, like, sometimes when I'm, when I'm singing, I'll hear, oh, man, like, I, that, that was slightly flat when I when I try to hit that note there for a second I mean I can hear these these little things or it's become easier for me to tune my guitar without a tuner because I I can hear whenever the pitch is sharp or flat so there are little things that that you just pick up along the way but there's it, it, it helps as a musician you know it helps you to improve you know I think everyone should be open-minded to all different types of music and try to immerse yourself in into as much of it as you can because it's just going to help you grow in the end. Yeah, and and I saw that firsthand um, with you up in Atlanta at the recording studio and, and listening back to some of what you were laying down for this new album of yours that's coming out, and, and you standing there with the naked ear just saying, oh, that's flat, oh, that's sharp, and, and just, you know, based on no context clues, it's just you listening and having that education that, that you just described. Yeah, and you learn how to take care of your voice. You learn, you know, the techniques you learn what it feels like you learn your voice really inside and out you learn whenever you're straining um you learn how important it is to warm up your voice before you sing because you'll you know that it's detrimental not to and you learn different warm-ups and different techniques and uh i just i think that that's a huge part of just taking care of yourself as a as a musician especially if you're singing all the time and you're playing out all the time it's it's just important that you take care of yourself and take care of your your instrument. Your voice is your instrument. Yeah, just in the same way that you would take care of your guitar or whatever it is that you play, your drums. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me here in the studio today is singer songwriter Melissa Bretthauer. Check her out at www.melissabrett.com. That's B R E T. So just one T. Be sure to purchase her music, too. She's got some cool merchandise for sale on her website also. And find her on Facebook, on YouTube, Reverb Nation, Twitter. She's everywhere. Uh, Make sure you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H-E-A-R for the spelling challenge. And sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to use the social media buttons there as well to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. Uh, Melissa, you told me recently about an experience that you had as a fan, which you said is kind of what motivated you to set up that challenge for yourself with regards to uh, approaching your songwriting, like you were describing a little bit ago. So something kind of interesting, and it's kind of ironic because I'm I'm a musician, and so you would think that I just go to all these concerts all the time. I really don't. I've only been to like maybe five concerts my whole life, sadly. <laughs> but um, it's on the to-do list. That, that's another goal for the next. Uh, actually, I made a list for my New Year's re- resolutions. I'm like things I want to that I hope to achieve in 2014, and that was on there. Go to more concerts. Um, Number one, wake up. Number two, eat breakfast. Number three, <laughs> buy concert tickets. Yeah. So um, I think. 
I'll certainly have the opportunity more in LA, which so that's exciting. But um actually there's a girl um, that I heard on Sirius XM on the Coffee House radio, which is like my favorite station to listen to. It's just all just stripped down on acoustic and um Well, it, but just to interrupt you, it obviously speaks to you because that's where you would see your own music fitting in. Yeah, I think it's a uh, the singer songwriter kind of genre, but it's also cool because they'll have they'll have guests on on the on the show that will play like it'll be One Republic and they're they're singing one of their songs completely acoustic, and so you don't get to hear that all the time. Yeah. You hear the the production and stuff on the radio, you know, on the main hits. Um, so anyway, I heard I heard this girl Liz Longley on Sirius XM, and I I was curious enough to. Shazam her. <laughs> no, actually, the they they show you know the the singer and the, the song title on the radio. But um, I looked her up and I found that she was playing in Atlanta. And the first time I tried to see her, her tickets were sold out. So I knew I'm like this girl, this girl's good. If she can sell out a ticket like or sell out tickets a week in advance, I mean that's that says something. So fortunately, this last time she came into town, I was able to go see her and. Oh, I was totally like starstruck. This <laughs> is just so funny. I mean, she's not she's not huge yet, but she um she's she's got a pretty good following and for me like she her songs, her songwriting, her voice is like I can't even it's just angelic. She's kind of like a I don't know, modern day like Eva Cassidy mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. I had to compare her to someone, but like Joni Mitchell and Eva Cassidy had a baby. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um she went to school for songwriting at Berkeley, and so it was cool to get inspired when I when I was able to go to Eddie's Attic and knowing that that's a reputable venue. Um, and uh, I've actually had a chance to play there, by the way, um, during their open mic, which was which is a fun little tournament they do. But anyway, so I saw her at Eddie's Attic, and just to hear her songs and to see how she performed, it was just really inspirational for me. Um, I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta step up my game in the songwriting world. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta, I gotta branch out, and that's kind of where this whole recent challenge stemmed from. But I was totally um, like a creepy fan. I was like, can you sign my CD? <laughs> I'm like standing in line. Nick's like, my husband's like, go say hi to her because I'm like, oh, there she is, there she is before the show, and she's like three feet away from me, and Nick's like go say hi i'm like no i'm scared and and so it kind of came full circle in other words it gave you a perspective of the people that we talked about earlier in this podcast of you looking out and going wow there's somebody singing my song or wow there's somebody who just told me that they drove from 45 minutes away to be here and now here you are oh yeah and i'm i I can't wait to go see her yeah yeah and uh and i'm like telling her that at my gigs and stuff i'm playing her i'm like oh i play you i play your music during my breaks (laughs) and she's just like probably thinks i'm the biggest nerd ever but it was it was a really cool experience to be on that side of it because for me i'm i'm pretty much i like to think i'm pretty even keel and just you know super relaxed about stuff and when people approach me after i'm playing and they ask me to sign a cd or they're they kind of um treat me like you know they're they're real fans and i don't really see it that way to me it's just another person that's just oh yeah here you know for me it's just casual it's just yeah okay sure i'll sign it like thanks for thanks for listening i don't i don't really think of it in that way like oh they're these fans like occasionally i'll get surprised like the other night i was playing and um there was a there was a regular, like uh, you know, someone who comes out to my shows frequently, who knew my my upcoming schedule more than I did, better than I did. I was like, no, no, I think I, this is my last time playing here. He's like, no, you know, do you you play here on the fourth? I'm like, do I? <laughs> it was just, it was kind of cool, but um, yeah, you just need to clone him uh, a thousand times over. Um, when you're talking about being inspired um, by seeing Liz Longley and and you know stepping up your game, so. Everything that you write these days is on the guitar. What what happens that gets you to write a song on the piano? Oh, that's a good question. There's nothing, there's no, like, magic, there's no special circumstances or anything. It's just, for me, I think that the guitar has become my main instrument more for the mobility purposes, and I've, I've grown a lot on the guitar. Um, but, yeah, it's mostly because it's so easy to just travel with and... But on the piano, I mean, I've I've been dabbling in into writing more piano songs. Um, that's kind of one technique that 
uh, my friend Josh that I was talking about earlier, he he actually suggested one day, he's like, because I told him, like, man, I'm just, I'm all clogged up. I, I, I've been trying to write, and I just can't come up with stuff that I'm, that I'm happy with. I can't come up with a, a catchy hook. I can't, you know, and I ex- ex- express these um, frustrations, and he's like, maybe you should switch it up and try to write on the piano. Because I've for him he's found that that's helped. He, he also plays yeah. guitar, yeah, and cool. um, so it's a kind of a. Sometimes I'll do that, and sometimes it'll, you know, a song will start to build and start to build. But you know, it's been a while. Um, I, I tend to write more ballads on the piano, and I'm also trying to get away from the ballads and write more mid tempo and kind of upbeat. Like I said, feel good music. So I've actually um, picked up the ukulele recently. Oh boy! And. Um, since since my songwriting lately has been more beachy oriented, I just ah, figured gotcha. what better way. Gotcha. When I wrote them, I wrote them um, with the ukulele in mind, but gotcha. it has taken me, I've been dragging my feet on you know actually picking up ukulele and, and learning, and so I'm I'm excited to get to play, start playing my stuff, you know, some of it on ukulele. Amazing, amazing. Um, just a few more, uh, and then and then we'll close. Um, you had a cool experience in Nashville at one point uh, from the category of you never know who might be in the crowd and tell the listeners uh, who I'm referring to. That was at your, one of your shows. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm playing, and John Rich and John Legend walk in, and when I'm playing, sometimes I'm just in la-la land. Like, I'm just, like, so into the, the song or in the music. I'm not always paying attention to every little thing that's going on around me because I just get into this this zone. And uh, so at the time, I didn't even realize that they had stepped in. But I did see a lot of heads turning. And then, you know, when I when I went on break, I that was whenever I heard, oh, that they walked in. And it was it was really, I mean, I didn't get to meet them because I had to get back on and play. And I, I didn't know, you know, it was kind of a big place. But uh, it was pretty cool that... Uh, John Rich asked for my CD. Absolutely. I never knew. I was like, yeah. wow, really? That's Yeah, that's a huge compliment. Yeah. And also, as I mentioned uh, in the intro back at the beginning of this podcast, um, at the age of just 21, you got to play on the Las Vegas Strip. That's cool. Yeah, not not a lot of people can say that they've done that, especially at, at that age. That was cool because it was my first time in Vegas, actually, and... Um, got to play at the house of blues which is just unreal and <laughs> still to this day i'm like wow i can't yeah, believe in, I inside mandalay bay which everybody has heard of mandalay bay and yeah. um is it safe to say that that's the most nervous that you've ever been for a show playing um, in vegas that's up there i would have to say <laughs> that's that's definitely up there um national anthem usually gets me pretty nervous just because there's so much pressure on not to like goof that up uh, but yeah, I will say that that's, that's been, but oh, I would say that would be probably second, Mandalay Bay would have been second to, um, playing at Eddie's Attic at that song, right? Uh, at, even though it's just a quick 10 minutes, you know, or 15 mm-hmm. minutes of sharing your songs, I think cause it's a listening room type feel. It, it tends to take me a song or two to get into, get locked in and take control of my nerves. I mean, yeah, the stature of the venue itself all of a sudden uh, be- becomes a big part of it. Um, in closing, I certainly uh, want to wish you only the best out in L.A. Uh, on a personal note, you've got a couple hobbies that uh, moving out there are totally conducive to. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to, <laughs> I can't wait to get back into surfing, even though the water is going to be freezing. I was spoiled in Florida and having family in Hawaii, always got getting to surf in the warm waters. But I'm just thrilled that the backyard of my new place is going to be right in the sand. So literally just a few steps and then I'll be in the water. And uh, I'm also excited to get another motorcycle. So I, it's been a couple years since I've, I've uh, been able to ride and Mostly because Atlanta's just not really the, the right place for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really thrilled, and I'll just with all the views and all the cliffs and all the all the things to see out in California. I've I've already been picturing it, just cruising <laughs> down Pacific Coast Highway. But you know, it's like we talked about before when we laughed and said you can't even be on vacation. You know, music still somehow enters the picture, even with both of those. 
uh, I mentioned earlier, Living for Today. That's a song that you wrote, I'm sure, inspired in large part because of how much you love surfing. And you also wrote a song called These Two Wheels, which is based on riding motorcycles. So, you know, even even in your hobby life, uh, it still is, is spilling over uh, into your, your business life in terms of your music. My, uh, my next hobby, you just gave me an idea, is to build a motorcycle that has a surfboard rack <laughs> and then a guitar, a guitar rack. <laughs> and I can just ride to wherever and stop wherever. And if I feel like surfing for a little bit, I can just take the board off and surf. And then if I feel like riding, I can just ride. Yeah, that would, be, that would be awesome. All right. Thank you, Melissa. Uh, tell the listeners about this song that I'm about to close with because I have been saying since the first time I heard this song that I honestly and truly believe that this is about to become the number one song for brides to dance to with their father on their wedding day. Yeah, this song um, this song came from just all the things that were going on in my mind during my dances at, at my wedding, you know, with my dad and you know, it's just there's so many things that I've learned from being a daughter and there's so many special moments and I, that I really treasure and and uh, I wanted to try to capture that in a song. So that's that explains Daddy. Awesome. I want to thank my guest Melissa Brett Howard. Be sure to check her out at www.melissabrett.com. That's B R E T with one T. Hit her social media too and buy her music as well. The links to all of those sites are on her website and uh, check out the merchandise on her official website also. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And, of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Hey, uh, give us a nice review on iTunes also and uh, maybe even a five-star rating. That would be awesome. Um, We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in crystal blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from today's guest, Melissa Bretthauer. This one is called Daddy. Daddy, you're my hero. First love of my life. I remember all you taught me.
Wonderful job. There's more to come. We'll get to meet her and get to know her on the way next from the Rodeo Opry.